Welcome to Into the Known. In this podcast series, we invite you to view knowledge and its ownership in a new light and take you behind the scenes of some case studies from the volume Ownership of Knowledge. I'm your host, Emily Tsui. Art historian Marjolyn Boll is hunched over in her garden with a blowtorch and a handful of clear quartz crystals. She's trying to follow a recipe from around 300 AD, heating and rapidly cooling the stones. Her goal? To crack them. Marjolyn is trying to mimic a process that takes nature billions of years. Her cracked crystals must next be reheated and dipped in dye and resin to create a rich color and a shiny, polished appearance. But her attempts so far have seen countless broken rocks flying across the lawn. Only very few of these stones eventually resemble the precious gems she wants to create. As it turns out, imitation isn't always quick and effortless. The key to a convincing imitation is getting the crackle of these precious minerals just right. But get it wrong, and the stone will not crackle, but shatter. Marilyn Bull's chapter, Imitating Crackles, Material Mimesis in Stones and Textiles, explores processes of making, and specifically, imitating materials. Marilyn argues that both artisans and consumers have knowledge, and therefore ownership over materials, for example, gems or fabrics. This knowledge ownership deeply impacts the way in which artisans, industry players, or material scientists create a product and how imitations of them are perceived. I think what the story shows is that they can also really empower people. They can empower local communities to own their own, you know, local arts. And they can also empower, for instance, people who may not have as much uh, money to own something that looks like something else. Her study starts with ancient techniques of cracking hard stones, like the one we mentioned at the start of this episode. It then takes us to more modern imitations of cracking patterns on soft Baltic textiles. The Indonesian textiles patterned using the process of resist dyeing, known as batik, became highly sought after in Europe in the 19th century. Batik fabrics are characterized by their vibrant colors and intricate designs, such as crackles or floral motifs. While Indonesian craftspeople would hand-draw patterns using a bamboo or copper-sprouted stylus that dripped a mixture of hot melted wax and resin, European textile manufacturers saw a market for industrial imitations. They hoped they could undercut the price of traditional Baltic textiles. And what's really surprising here is sort of the power that um, the local consumers in the Indonesian archipelago had because of their knowledge of traditional Baltic textiles. They did not just accept these Western imitations. What was missing from the textiles made in mass production? The most glaring flaw for Indonesian consumers was that they didn't have the right crackle. While initially seen as a mistake in the handcrafting process, 
the crackle on the surface of traditional Baltic textiles became one of the most telling signifiers for the value of the cloth. Ironically, this quality that Indonesian dyers were originally trying to avoid became the key feature that Western manufacturers sought to create. But in another twist, the Western imitations found a new market on the African continent. And so there they became appreciated and sort of a textile standing in its own right, in its own market there, but being produced in the West and has now become iconic for African fashion or some African countries. This story illustrates how knowledge about materials profoundly influences our perception of value and ownership. It is often the intricate details of a material that captures our attention. Maybe it's the scent of a children's toy that's a bit too plasticky that puts us off. Or perhaps we've bought a fake fur coat and found ourselves concerned that it looks too real. Or sometimes it might just be a crackle on a surface. It's through our understanding of the materials involved, of how they're made and by whom, and how they circulate, that we establish a sense of ownership and connection. And so our knowledge about materials become deeply intertwined with our relationship to the materials themselves. If you'd like to delve deeper into these questions, make yourself a cup of tea, snuggle up on your couch, and dip into Marilyn Bowles' chapter, Imitating Crackles, Material Mimesis in Stones and Textiles, in the volume Ownership of Knowledge, beyond intellectual property. It's open access and completely free. You can find the link to the book in each episode description. This podcast is produced by the Max Planck Institute for the History of Science. To learn more about knowledge ownership and the history of science, follow us on social media and give us a thumbs up on your favorite podcast app. See you next time.